Bonfire Press and Studio Erbo present Chronicles of the Essence God, Children of the Essence, by Eric J. Cockrell and Chuck Pino, read by Michael Goodrick. Chapter 3, The Floating Stone Trick. Andreas's senses were inundated with stimuli to the point that he couldn't understand what was happening from one second to the next. He had to go through it all again as he remained trapped within his body, a slave to his senses. First had been the feeling of his foot pressing the stone under him down further than it should go. This was followed by the sound of a soft click and the almost immediate sound of flames hissing closer and closer. His skin immediately tingled in a way that quickly went from warmth to uncomfortable. Next was a whoosh of wind that seemed to pop from his right. It barely affected the flames as they continued to bear down on him and take his skin from uncomfortable to nearing pain. What followed next bore the brunt of the confusion, as well as the bruises he was expecting to have to tend to. Something slammed hard into his right side, and directly after he felt that whoosh of air once more, though this time the air felt sucked from him, leaving him gasping for breath. Now, laying in the tall grass of the jungles of Argentina with Celeste gripping his torso in a bear hug, he felt something hard pressing against his spine. Everything still didn't add up, and the shock and confusion had a complete grip on him. He attempted to shift and inquire about what had happened, when Celeste threw a hand on his mouth and looked directly into his eyes, shaking her head. They'd only just met, but she had never looked so serious to him. As they lay there, he went back to the flames. He had stepped on a stone which must have set off a trap from the entrance of the tunnel. He was trying to put the rest together when Celeste slowly rolled off of him and pulled her arm out from under him, dragging the walking stick with her. That's what had been jammed into his back. He might have said something was it not for the petite hand still over his mouth. Celeste was up on one knee now, craning her neck over the grass. The two could barely hear some shuffling of robes and scuffing of shoes on the stone ground. Andres relaxed just a little, enough to show that he trusted Celeste, but not enough that he would make a noise. Celeste could just make out a pair of individuals in dusty green robes. Both individuals were looking about the area, investigating for something or other. The two were some distance off, and though they were speaking to one another, the young woman could barely pick up anything they were saying. Without turning to her companion, Celeste whispered, It looks like the cultist you had talked about. They must have heard the flames and are looking to check for intruders. Andres nodded slowly to himself. His response was in a similar hushed tone. Unless we left some sort of clue, they should know we're here. Are you sure there are only two of them? Celeste scanned the rest of the area. She couldn't see any sort of window or parapet someone might be spying upon them from. She shook her head. No, I think it's just the two of them. Good. Do they look like they have any kinds of weapons? Maybe firearms? He inquired, still not bothering to get up or move. Celeste took her time and checked as closely as she could while the two looked around the bushes surrounding the pathway. They both have machetes at their sides, but no guns that I can see. Andres was pleased with his answer. Excellent. As soon as the two look like they are going to make their way back into the temple, I want you to stand up loudly and run further into the jungle. Get their attention as much as possible. I'm going to catch them by surprise. Celeste was taken aback. 
she hadn't really considered where they were going from here, or that there would be any sort of violence required. Wait, you aren't going to kill them, are you? She had turned to Andres now, ignoring the men currently searching for them. Andres was aghast. Of course not. We're the good guys. Besides, we don't even know if these people are brainwashed or willingly part of a cult. All I want is their robes so we can better sneak in and find out what we're dealing with. Turning back, she noticed the two robed men making their way back towards the temple. Fair enough. Good luck. She started to move, but found herself pulled back by her arm. Andres had pulled her in close so she could feel his breath on her cheek. She didn't mind it in the least. She had to remind herself of the danger that they were still in so she could take in the words he was saying. Look, if we get separated, go back to the village to a small tavern called Los Dos Polas. We'll call that HQ for now, all right? Nodding with a grin, Celeste stood up loudly, rustling the branches and bushes around her. The two figures were disappearing into the shade of the temple. They stopped and turned in her direction. When she caught sight of them, the young woman turned and dashed off into the jungle. She crashed through branches and underbrush, ducking and swerving, legs humping and burning as she put all of her track experience into play. She wasn't completely certain that they had followed her, or even how long she was to run for, but the fear of getting caught and of not being a proper distraction kept her pushing forward. When her lungs began to burn, Celeste slowed down some and began making her way in a long turnaround pattern so she would be parallel to the path she had taken without actually stumbling upon it. She began to walk her way back, creeping along with the staff out in case she needed to use it like a proper weapon. She still wasn't completely sure how she had used it to throw Andres out of the path of the flames earlier. She had to assume that her desire to keep him alive and her attempt to do so had taken over and used the magic of the staff to take her to her friend, and then both of them away from the flames and into the brush. She wanted to believe that it was all her and her quick thinking, but the staff felt like it had done so much more of the work. She looked down at the artifact as she trod on, wondering what other surprises it had in store for her. Nearing where she believed the temple to be, Celeste found herself moving from tree to tree, keeping low and as quiet as she could. She could see the pathway off to her left, so she made sure to keep her distance as she continued onward. When she approached the edge of the bush, where it opened up to the temple, she looked up to see a robed figure standing directly beside the open doorway. The figure had its hood up and was staring down at bloodied knuckles. Celeste gasped, pressing her hands over her mouth to suppress the noise of her surprise. They had gotten Andres. She tried to think as quickly as she could. He had told her to meet him back at the tavern, but if he was captured, there would be no meeting, and possibly no more Andres. Anger clouded her mind at the idea of these evil men hurting her friend, the only person she knew in the entire hemisphere. Overtaken with a swiftly growing rage, the young woman jumped up, swung the staff into the air, and was gone with a suction of air. The figure looked toward the noise and took a few steps forward, bending slightly to better peer into the jungle. Celeste appeared behind the robe person a second later, the walking stick narrowly missing its target as he had now moved out of position some. The man turned swiftly, only to find the teenager bearing down on him with the staff horizontally across her chest, two hands gripping it with a white-knuckled rage, attempting to push the staff into his throat. The man was taken by surprise, and though he was able to grasp the stick, the young woman was able to push him back with all of her weight, forcing the two to fall to the ground hard. Celeste was of a single mind, 
She must survive and save her friend, and this person was all that stood between her and Andres. Despite having all of her weight pressing down on the staff, she could feel the strength of the man below her begin to press back against her. She readied to grasp for his throat in hopes to surprise him when she heard him huff and say, Celeste? Her vision cleared, and she saw Andres's face, with the hood now laying flat against the cobblestones below them. Gasping in both surprise and in an attempt to apologize all at once, Celeste relaxed, allowing Andres to push the staff and young woman up off of him. Standing up and brushing one another off, Andres rubbed the back of his head, winced, and removed his hand to reveal fresh blood upon it. Seeing the crimson ichor, Celeste immediately broke into a string of apologies. I'm so sorry, Andres. Honestly, I thought you were one of them and that they had taken you. The elder of the two grimaced and followed it up with a charming grin. It's okay, Celeste. Really. It's good to know that when I need it, backup will be there. Though it was nice to hear that she would come in handy, she still felt pretty terrible about almost beating the poor man up. In an effort to get her mind off of it, Andres handed the woman a set of green robes. Celeste snagged the cloth from his hands and immediately threw them over her head pulling the hood over to hide her visage. I'm betting there won't be very many teenage American cultists roaming around, so I'd best keep my hood up. Actually, the cultists seem to be from all over the world. I would say you're a little young to properly pull it off, but this is a much more diverse group of people than one would expect to find in the jungles of northern Argentina. Celeste considered that a moment and looked out across the area. Weird. What happened to the two that were chasing me? Andres waved out into the jungle. I knocked them out and tied them up with vines. He passed her a machete, which she attached to the rope belt that hung around her waist. She had to keep up appearances, and so far that seemed to be part of the uniform. To keep from standing out, she slipped the walking stick under her robe and belt and held it under her armpit by pressing her right arm against her side. Looking down at her robe, she saw a spot of slightly crusted blood at the edge of her sleeve. Flicking at it, she inquired of Andres. Is this from one of the two you knocked out? Andres dismissed it and pointed to his head. No, neither of them bled. It's probably from my head, and I wiped it on your robes accidentally. Shrugging, she followed as he turned to the entryway. As the two began to make their way into the temple, it immediately opened up into a foyer of sorts with multiple entrances into other areas. The two made their way around the torch-lit area and noticed many strange things. For one... The art style seemed to change a fair amount depending on the figures being depicted. Only a small portion of the figures seemed to be South American. Many of the rest of them looked to be from all over the world, including ancient European and Egyptian. Andres tapped her shoulder and pointed up to above the opening doorway to reveal a wrought iron platform that looked to be the storage place for propane tanks and what looked to be a flamethrower of sorts. Celeste shook her head and continued to follow Andres as they made their way through the temple. As they passed through the first archway, they came into a room with multiple bedrolls, pillows, and blankets, all folded neatly and placed in no particular order against the walls. There were several shelves that looked like they might have once held important artifacts, vases, etc., that now were filled with food, including boxes of cereal, small crates of fruit, jars of preserves, breads, and many other items that could help the cultists to subsist for quite some time. Green-robed people of all shapes and ethnicities roamed about the room, most with their hoods off. Luckily, there were a few who kept themselves hooded, most likely seeking some sort of 
solemnity that the rest had at least temporarily discarded. The lack of solemnity did not last very long. One member, whose robes seemed brighter and cleaner than the rest, and whose machete was nicer and more intricately designed, stepped into the room. He stood still a moment as a hush crept across the members. His hood was up, hiding his features from the rest, save for a goatee that poked out from the darkness of the cloak. Even Celeste and Andres stopped. As the silence spread, so too did the hoods lift and hide the features of all in the room. The man waited until all had done so and the room was completely silent. When he spoke, he sounded to have a Texan twang to his voice, and his robes seemed to hide a tall, imposing figure. We have much to discuss. Come to the solarium. All are to be present. There was no ounce of request in his words, though they did not sound ominous. This was simply not a request. Yes, Master Kevin, the entire choir of followers stated in unison, leaving Andres and Celeste to look at each other in confusion. Master Kevin? Celeste mouthed to Andres, who waved her away, trying to pay attention to the master and not bring any attention down upon them. Kevin walked out of the room, but those within continued their silence as they slowly followed along. Celeste stuck close to Andres. When they moved into the next area, they found even more robed figures, forcing everyone to move shoulder to shoulder. Celeste grasped the edge of Andres's sleeve, knowing that it was doubtful anyone would see, and continued on. Soon, they came to an archway that slowed the movement of the crowd. There was much less pushing than she might have expected. The slow surge felt like smaller rivers feeding into a delta. Celeste could see it, but she couldn't predict the movements. As they approached the archway, there was a surge to her left, which pulled Andres along with it. Celeste attempted to follow, but felt bodies press against them, forcing her to let go and stare at the hood she was sure was Andres's. It was like the absolute worst game of find the ball under the cup. In this case, there were probably between 50 and 100 cups, but she stared at where she thought Andres was, never taking her eye off the ball, so to speak. All through the surges, she stayed focused and soon found herself able to once more slip in behind the figure that she hoped was her one and only friend in this ancient temple. She didn't dare attempt to tug on the person's robes for fear she had followed the wrong cup. Looking around, she noticed the strange colors that dashed about the room from overhead. When she looked up, it was as though a Renaissance-style glass dome with stained glass depicting the creation of the earth in a multitude of ways had somehow been placed here in an ancient Mayan or Incan temple. At this point, she had seen so many different styles of art and creation that she couldn't be sure who made the structure, save that it was incredibly old and was in South America. Standing in front of a stone pulpit, Kevin had removed his hood so he could stare out at his many acolytes. The goatee she had seen was starting to become a full beard that simply came to a point. Kevin looked as though he had been able to groom at some point, but the manscaping had probably taken a back seat over the past several weeks or so. Celeste laughed at the idea of a cult leader manscaping. She stifled it and luckily wasn't noticed. His hair was a dusty brown with salt and pepper throughout the sides of his head and his beard. He had a strong jaw and dark green eyes that looked like they could change to brown with a blink. My friends, our true leader, he of the singular jade eye, led us here to seek out more of the secrets of that which is often known as the essence. Celeste sucked in a breath, and she saw the figure beside her tense up. 
She smiled to herself proudly. The Texan twang continued. You know, we came to find proof that those who hide the truth from our eyes are out there. And today, my brothers and sisters, we did. He turned his back to the crowd and came up with a stack of paper in one hand and a strange ornamental box in the other. He held the papers up. These speak of a man, Aylin Suarez, who is known to be in the highest echelons of this secret society. With time to go over these notes, we could find him and his cohorts. And when we find them, my friends, he trailed off and motioned to an acolyte in the front row who held his hand up to display a green stone that looked as raw as though it had only just been plucked from the earth, not much bigger than his own fist. The master placed the notes on the pulpit and held up the box. Unlatching the top of it, he opened it to reveal an amber stone inside. Celeste felt suddenly anxious, her body quivering uncontrollably. The figure next to her shook ever so slightly as well. The elder closed his eyes and placed his head upon the box. The light from the stone brightened, and the stone in the acolyte's hand rolled slightly in his hand, though he stayed perfectly still. Celeste felt the staff slip out from under her armpit and press against her robes. She quickly pushed it back, temporarily disturbing a few of the people around her. The light continued to brighten, and now the stone upon the man's hand began to float through the air towards the master. Celeste felt another jolt, and the staff slipped back out from under her armpit and pressed harder against her clothes, now pulling her forward. All of those that had been standing around her stepped back and away, eyeing her suspiciously. She looked next to her at the figure to see Andres staring in horror as he silently let her slip past and away from him. The crowd continued to part deeper and deeper around Celeste as she was pulled closer and closer to the front, despite pulling back as hard as she could. The master had now opened his eyes and captured the stone in his hand. He looked like he was about to continue speaking when he saw the divide in the room. He remained silent a moment longer, a sinister smile now creeping over his face. We have a visitor, my friends, he said aloud. I assume you must be the man we found in the village. What a surprise to see you coming here alone. He narrowed his eyes and focused his stare upon the box, and the light brightened even more. The pull became impossible to resist, and now Celeste found herself completely wrapped around the staff as it floated towards the pulpit, the crowd stepping aside to allow the strangeness to ensue. And I see y'all brought us a gift, he spoke aloud, his smile expanding. Celeste breathed in deeply and pressed her head down against where she knew the stone was pushing to be released from her cloak. And in the next moment, she was gone, leaving the room in silent chaos. Theme music by Carol Cockrell. 